Is that John Fitzpatrick? Well, I think I made it. You sure? Shh. shh I know. Don't, don't, don't speak too loud. I feel like I'm whispering. <laughs> That's right. So we'll keep it down here and we'll just do a, we'll just talk really low the rest of the night. <laughs> Move into a different room. Here we go. All right, it's that time. Let's kick things off. It's a little after 9 o'clock on the East Coast. Welcome to U.S. Rugby Happy Hour Live. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. Happy Hour Live brings you interviews of some of the biggest names in the U.S. rugby scene. Tonight, we will be joined by U.S. women's U23 head coach Katie Dowdy and USA women's head coach Richard Ashfield back on for a second appearance on this show. Uh, we didn't scare him away the first time, so that's good. Let's, let's see if that works out again after tonight. If you are not already following us, please do so at Eagles Overseas and a Rugby Morning to get updates on future shows and news about USA Rugby, Major League Rugby, and more. I'm Bill Baker of Eagles Overseas, and I'm crossing my fingers, but I think my co-host, John Fitzpatrick from Rugby Morning, is still here. Fitzy, how's it going? Hey, Bill. I'm doing well this evening. How's everyone? Oh, great, great. So the kids are down? They're in bed? Uh, it sounds like it now, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> So, Fitzalyst, I want to get right into things. I mean, both our guests are here waiting uh, for their time slot, uh, which I really appreciate when they, when they get here and ready to go. Uh, but I want to run through a couple of things, especially with the women's rugby uh, or the players over in Europe and the players actually coming back over here. I think it's, it's, it'd be nice to note this really quick and we'll get on to our first guest. Uh, just quick note, if people missed it, uh, Maya Beiser has signed with Ealing Trailfinders, who just joined uh, Premiership Women's Rugby, which was formerly Alliance Premier 15. So, also recently capped uh, May Sagapolo, I hope I got that name right, signed with Leicester Tigers, joining USA teammates Tess Fury and Talia Brody. Uh, Leicester also is new to uh, Premiership Women's Rugby. Uh, so good to see them over there still. I don't have a lot of notes on a lot of the other players yet, uh, but I did run into Jenny Cronish at the MLR finals in Chicago, and she did share with me that she will be she is leaving the Harlequins and will play with WPL's Beantown. And then, of note, Charlie Jacoby, obviously a, a highly capped player for the Eagles, has left Exeter Chiefs and will play with Chicago North Shore. So I'm excited, really excited to see maybe Chicago going through Boston or whatever the schedule is going to be in the spring. But um, I'm looking forward to seeing these players. So, all right, let's move it on. Let's get on to our first guest. You know, she's no newbie to women's rugby, you know, head coach at Dartmouth Women's Program, former USA Eagle, and now USA U23 head coach. Let's all please welcome Katie Dowdy. Hey, Katie. Hi. Thanks for having me. Hey. This <laughs> How are you? Function. <laughs> yeah, no worries. This, this whole Twitter thing, this whole Twitter space thing is new and all that stuff, so it's fun. Yeah. Um, how are you? Uh, I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to talk about the, the 23s. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for that. I mean, I think most people are probably familiar with you in the New England area. I'm just north of, of Boston on the North Shore. Uh, you know, Dartmouth, Beantown, Harvard years ago, that kind of stuff. But for mm -hmm. those who are not familiar, could you give us a bit of your rugby background? Yeah, I started playing at Harvard, like you mentioned, as an undergrad. I hadn't hadn't played um, before college, discovered it there, and then mm. carried on with Beantown um, after school, which is where I met Richard, um, as he was coaching Beantown, um, one of the coaches at Beantown at the time. And then uh, in not too long after joining Beantown, I was one of the first contracted players for the sevens team down in Chula Vista. Mm. Um, and then after a stint there, I did a, a quick stint over in Australia for a year. My sister lives over there. So I went and I, I played over there. Wow. Um, that was like kind of in the precursor to the Aeon 7s. And then 
um, when that was happening, a lot of coaching jobs were becoming full-time over here. And so uh, my good friend, Mel Denham, kind of gave me the heads up about it, told me to come back. All these opportunities were opening up and um, did a brief stint with her at AIC and then Central Washington before the Dartmouth job opened up. Um, and I've been here now for eight years. And then, wow, yeah, and on the side, I keep, I'm constantly doing um, age grade work for, for USA Rugby, which, which I really really love doing um and then this summer richard asked me to help assist with the seniors as well this past the past six months yeah and you have that history with richard as you mentioned you, you know was it just the right fit i mean you've already been working with the um you know the, the that those uh, academy level sides um you know coach either way you know was it something you went to him and say listen i'd love to take this over or was it just more of a conversation like he called you saying this is great for, for you uh yeah got, i mean rich is on he could probably speak to that but he gave me a ring. Um, and I think it ended up being a great idea because I'm so, uh, I've been working so closely with the, this young group of players uh, who in this world cup cycle are really just kind of hitting their stride and, and ready to join the senior team. So it was a nice kind of link between the, the age grade programs, uh, those players and their transition to the senior team. So I, I think it was, uh, a stroke of genius, I suppose, from Richard. I'll give him <laughs> Kitty, this is John. Um, for for those who don't know, who who makes up the team? Like, where do the players come from? Are they mostly collegiate players? The U twenty three team is comprised uh, not ex- not exclusively of collegiate players. Like, I think the interesting thing right now is that there is a big crop of players that that have played in some of these top level university programs now. And I, and I kind of see them as the first generations, the first generation that are coming out of, um, of essentially daily training environments, like as close to a, a professional setup as we have here in the States where they're training daily, that they have full S and C support, athletic training. Um, and they're on the pitch with, with paid full-time coaches and we're seeing, how far that that's advanced their their rugby at a much younger age but at the same time there's also a big group of players who aren't going to university but who are either playing with senior clubs or playing with academies um who are also showing like really huge promise at a young age and this year this year we made the decision with some of the really great opportunities and this time in the cycle um this summer to include players in the u23 squad that also were U20 age or in a few exceptional cases, even U18. So we, we truly took the players that we see as having the most potential to break into the national team in the short to medium term. Um, and I, I think that's paid off, which I, I think we saw on the last senior tour. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of this year's team, talking a little bit about the America's rugby trophy that happened, uh, I believe it was last month, but you know, the, I think I read somewhere the players averaged like 21 years of, of age. What is, I guess maybe the, the biggest learning curve for those young players? It's, it was, Brazil was an amazing experience for them. I, I think for, for some, it was kind of learning some of the more, technical pieces of set piece that they're not exposed to in their at home at the at the age that they are some playing high school rugby some still just brand new to college and then for others it's just like the consistency that you have to play with like you 
every passage of play, you have to do your job. You can't take any breaks, pop up here and there, do something flashy and come back a few phases later and really pick your spots. Like you, you really have to be dialed in at every moment of the match when you get to the higher levels. And, you know, when you, when you play in very competitive matches, you're, you're playing in the margins. So I think just for them to learn Mm. to be able to play in games that actually really put them under pressure challenges them in that way and then also challenges kind of their their game management and their ability to fight through setbacks in a match and, and battle back you know and have the confidence to do that that was the biggest thing that that i saw in, from them in brazil speaking of that tour you know again congrats congrats on the team taking the title you know the team again you mentioned it, they, they played against senior sides from brazil and colombia mm-hmm. you know beating colombia you know, what were the goals? What kind of goals are there going into these matches? Obviously, you want to try to win these matches, but is that important, really? No, the whole theme of that tour down in Brazil was staying in the fight. You know, we kind of framed mm. the, the whole tour as you guys are here to ultimately play in a World Cup for the USA. And if you picture the USA playing in a World Cup final, winning a World Cup, you know, what does that team look like? What do those players look like? And then talking about the fact that, you know, you guys are extremely talented. But at, no matter how good you get, you know, our goal is to play against the other very best team in the world. Um, and that will never be easy, no matter how good you get. So just learning how to battle, you know, how to win the little battles and mount those throughout a game and stay in the fight throughout 80 minutes. That was the focus of the tour. And we're seeing success in these younger players, you know, uh, some getting their senior caps already. And, and players like, like May um, signing with Leicester, like I mentioned earlier. You know, how excited are you for these players like May to get these opportunities to play overseas? Yeah, I, it's, um, you know, May, May is one of the best leaders I think I've ever worked with. And she is just so driven um, and entirely self-made and just never satisfied. She's, you know, she's she's <laughs> not ever going to be someone who's content to like she's made, earned the jersey. And but she's just constantly, constantly, constantly trying to get better. Um and to see her, that she's earned every little step along the way from, you know, making it on the team at Central, becoming captain there, earning the Sorensen Award, becoming the captain of the 23s, earning a start mm-hmm. on the on the Eagles, and now this contract over at Leicester. Like, it's it's just like, honestly, it's like what it's all about, with that, that sort of example, somebody who has, there's nobody more deserving than May when it, when it comes to all of those things. And the potential that she has at her age is just so exciting, I think, for us. Um, but even more exciting mm-hmm. for me is, like, the mindset that she brings to it. I, I call it the May mentality. Like, she is just she is just so hungry and humble, at the same time confident, but just never satisfied, always wanting to get better. And I think she's just a really good example for this this younger generation coming up of how to approach your journey. I, I'm looking forward to see those T-shirts online. The, the main mentality yeah. makes me perfect. Yeah. <laughs> you've coached different levels. You know, um, if you've seen players go on to WPL or wherever, or just just have success in their careers, maybe even off the pitch. Uh, and I know as a coach, I, I've been coaching as well. I, I coached soccer for many years and, and at the high school level of college stuff. But to see some of my players go on and, and compete in college is such a huge uh, a proud moment for me as a coach, and not necessarily because of me, because of what they're doing, succeeding. So, when you look at these players you've been coaching personally at Dartmouth, wherever else, and then at this side U23, the future looks great, you know. And, and you got to be so proud of them, and, and you got to be so happy where we'll be in eight, you know, five, eight, ten years. 
yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited. Like, you know, it's been kind of bittersweet watching, you know, it's great to see the growth of the MLR, but every year there's a, there's a, there's a draft, you know, and then some of their peers are getting drafted and mm. just to see those opportunities, if they want to continue to pursue sport professionally during this time of their life, that they now, that those opportunities are actually opening up for them. Like, I think it's really special. It really means a lot to me. I'm just very happy to see the growth of the game in that way. Um, but I'm also equally happy, like, for our players that go on and just, like, play, play, like if they play in a local club or they coach a local youth team or something, like, that they just, whatever they choose to do, that they're, they're doing what makes them happy with the game. And that's, you know, you can, you can never lose that at whatever level they're aspiring to. Right. All right. Uh, jumping forward. The border battle is coming up next week. Uh, you know, two match series against Canada um, here in the New England area in the Boston area, home of the MLR champions, New England Free Jacks. Uh, first game is a week from tonight. Uh, second game yes. on the Sunday following. I'm hoping to be there, actually. Oh, nice. um, must, be a, must be special to play these games in your backyard. Did you have any influence uh, over that? Did you say, hey, can we play that in Boston? <laughs> <laughs> the Free Jacks are, have done a lot with the local community, so I think it was really a natural fit, and I'm, I'm really grateful that they um, – you know, on, on top of the support that we had from USA Rugby to host this one, the, the Free Jacks and the XB Foundation also stepped up to be sure that, that we could get all the players who deserve to be here here without them having to, to pay to play. So um, I'm mm-hmm. really grateful that they did. That helps ensure that, you know, we get to put the best team out on the pitch. And um, yeah, and then to be able to kind of like off the back of the Free Jacks winning and everything that they've built down in Quincy, um, yeah. you know, I, I think they're very excited and, uh, about celebrating these athletes and, and really, really exposing them to the, to the local and the national community yeah. and, you know, putting them up on the same pedestal that, that they've really built as an MLR team. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I just, I just, am really excited. They've Jenny Cronish, who uh, obviously you mentioned earlier, um, mm-hmm. is working for the free jacks. Now you saw her in Chicago and she's lead on, on marketing for the event and, I know that their their aim is to make this kind of one of the one of the biggest international women's events that we've held in the states to date. You know, and it's this generation that that are young right now. This U twenty three age group will be the players who are the the veterans on the national team by the time twenty thirty three rolls around. You know, so it's it's kind of an exciting sneak preview if you can make it out to the field or see it online to see some of these rising eagles that are probably going to be for around for a very long time hopefully out on the fields on that and, on home soil for yeah, the home world. Yeah. Cup. Yeah. A hundred percent. And one thing that I love about these matches and for, and for some silly reason, you don't see this as often, um, they're the charging for tickets and they're, they're not expensive at all. And, and you know what I'm saying there? I love that they're charging for tickets because yeah. it is, they feel like it is a draw and it's, it's worthy of charging tickets for Do Am I making sense? Oh, with that? absolutely. Like, that's the respect that these athletes deserve. Like they're going to put on an amazing, an, an amazing show out there. They're so exciting to watch and to, you know, to suggest that no one would want to pay for it is false. You know, I, I, yeah. I, yeah. I think they're dead on with that. Dartmouth did the same thing here. We hosted the national championship and it wasn't free. You know, we're at, we're a headline event, you know, as, as big as any other sporting event on campus. So um, yeah, to me, it's a huge sign of respect for the, for the athletes and the teams. Yeah, Katie, and speaking of who you'll be playing in Canada, right? I mean, we, we, everyone knows that the, the senior side over there is one of the top um, programs around the world. 
And, and then speaking of the of this side, is there a different approach you're taking in this game versus, say, the matches in in, in South America? Or maybe let me try and rephrase this. Do you consider Canada to be a, a tougher match than, say, Brazil or Colombia? I would expect Canada to be better at set piece and, and the breakdown. And so, like, we'll kind of have to get our our details right in those areas. You know, I, I think the squad that we have is incredibly hard to live with uh, at the game line on both sides of the ball. You know, as, as long as we are prepared to go into any match against Canada, knowing that those are some of their strengths and then how we can um, defray those strengths, then then I think we'll be in good shape. So, you know, I, I have nothing but respect for this Canadian side. And I know after speaking with their coaches, you know, they're coming down here like us with a few players who just played in the pack four with the seniors, some who played in their top 40 senior camp, you know, both of us just at this point in the world cup cycle, our U23 groups are kind of full with players who are just, just breaking into the senior side and still benefit really a lot from this sort of development and exposure to international pressure. Um, so I, I have a feeling that both of us are about to put out the best U23 sides that, that we've had. Uh, that's great. And when does, uh, when does your team arrive for uh, training? And outside of the training and matches, do you have much plan for the team? Maybe go to Mag's house and tap some of those maple trees or something? <laughs> a, a walk in the woods? Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I'm sure we'll get a day out uh, in the town in Boston. I haven't, we haven't dis- discussed yet what the team might want to go uh, yeah, tr- a quick trip up to the to New Hampshire, get in the water or something. I'm sure it would be uh, a nice break as well. Um, but uh, what was what was the other question? Sorry, yeah, I guess the first part was uh, when does the team arrive for a trip? Oh, they arrive Saturday. Yep, Canada is traveling tomorrow. We arrive Saturday. Um, but obviously, a big advantage that we have is that the majority of this group did play together in Brazil, so we actually get to you know, we'll be able to kind of review our previous performances and, and build off there. Um, so yeah, I feel like we're in a really good position. Uh, and just to remind everybody, multiple tours. Nice. I, I, sorry, Katie, again, I, 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 for some reason, this is the, the fun thing with Twitter spaces. Sometimes <laughs> we're all right on, like we're in the same room. Other times it's like, I think I'm broadcasting from the space station <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and you're up you're, there. You're definitely Hanover. not in space, Bill. There's no question. About it. <laughs> it's probably my reception. Okay, Hanover. fine. It's, it's all good. Yeah, no, no, no. It's all good. Uh, so I wanted to just just quickly mention again, listeners in the room, come on up here and ask a question request in the bottom left of the app. And we have Katie for another eight minutes here. And then we have our second guest. And um, he's not important. So we'll stick with Katie right now. Uh, and to run everybody. Hi, Lisa. Hi, KJ. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Tess is in here for a minute. Oh, I saw, also. Yeah, I saw um, Tess or Blink in there. Yeah, I love when they come in, but then they leave. It makes me feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, uh, for those who, who didn't catch it earlier, um, USA U23s plays Canada next week. Two matches in the Boston area in Quincy at Veterans Memorial Stadium, home of the Major League Rugby Free Jacks. I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. Major League Rugby Champions Free Jacks. Uh, <laughs> if you're in the Boston area, pick up some tickets. They're cheap. There will be tailgating. There will be the festival atmosphere that they usually put on. If you're not in the area, I will permit you to watch the match on the Rugby Network, which I believe they both are on. Uh, uh, Katie, let's, let's, let's just... Let's look at the future here now, a little bit of the future. It seems like with the Rugged World Cup hosting duties uh, coming up in 33, um, are we seeing? Are we going to see more and more of these pathway pro- program fixtures? I mean, is it, is it building up from this point on? 
Um, I certainly hope so. I mean, obviously, there's a lot in flux in terms of the uh, staffing at USA Rugby with the HP director and Women's GM and Project Accelerate all sort of actively unfolding. But it's definitely become very apparent to me that, you know, we we need our up-and-coming players to have much more opportunity to play high-pressure matches to prepare them to play for the seniors. You know, I think it's, you know, with some of the performances that we saw in the pack four, it's quite obvious that we do have the 20-year-olds, 20, 20 21-year-olds who, who athletically can absolutely make an impact at that level. And we need to kind of accelerate their development mm-hmm. at, at this age. You know, I, I think... Um, I think if we can do that, we would be surprised at, at how many of them would, would be able to make a difference at the senior level. Katie, I want to uh, switch gears just for a second and, and talk about Dartmouth Women's Rugby. Mm-hmm. You've been the head coach there since 2015. Yeah. Uh, this past fall in 2022, won the, the third 15s championship in, in program's history. Congrats Thanks, yeah. there. But... I want to back up a bit. How did your former teammates at Harvard allow this to happen for you to become a coach at Dartmouth? Oh, that's so funny. I actually – Taylor's on the call. Oh, Taylor, are you on the call still? Taylor superimposed me in a an alumni pick while we were in Canada. Yeah, you know, it was just the, the, the right time for me when this Dartmouth position came open. And, um, you know, Har- Harvard – wasn't open at the time. Dartmouth is kind of like rugby Camelot in in a lot of ways. The pitch and the support that we have here is unbelievable. Um, And I knew that I could really build something very special or, you know, continue to build upon something that was already very special. And, and, you know, it's always felt right, you know, to just grow where you're planted. And it's always been about the people that you're with for me, you know, and, and what you're building. But and that's no, that's awesome. Did I hear that right? Did you say alumni paintball? Alumni what? <laughs> Did you say alumni paintball? Oh no, picture. Oh, it was Eric Carell and Sylvia were taking a Harvard picture, and I just made a crack. I was like, "Why am I never allowed in the alumni pictures?" And the Rick laughed, and they took the picture without me. But um, Taylor <laughs> like had me just stand alone, and then superimposed me on the picture for for a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Katie, you know, Dartmouth has always had a strong program, um, even prior to you, believe it or not. Um, you know, I, I played against them way back, the men's side, obviously, way back in the early 90s when I was with Keene State College. Yeah. Um, and again, even then, it was just like, oh, yeah, Dartmouth, great program. Uh, and now when the women's program was elevated to D1 status the year you joined, you know, talk about that transition. How smooth was that transition to a D1 level? And uh, how far has it come since you began there to us now? Um, you know, in a lot of ways, the transition was um, was well. Easy is not the right word, but but they were in essence training. You know, on the the same scale as as a varsity program. So for the athletes at the time, it wasn't a huge shift in time commitment or intensity or, or anything like that. I think slowly over time, um, as we've been able to bring in experienced rugby players into the program, the, every year. The, the quality of play just skyrockets. You know, I, I remember a few years in thinking, oh gosh, like I'm barely keeping up with the pace of play when I hop in anymore, you know? So, um, and it's just, it's just cool to see. And the thing that strikes me now is that every year that I think it might plateau, the following year, it's just that much better. Um, mm-hmm. So, 
the the transition like i said we had all the support in the world um the players it was player driven to to elevate the program um and the school supported it yeah it's just been i've been very blessed to be where i am i would 10 10 out of 10 recommend varsity rugby to <laughs> any athletic director out in the <laughs> fair. so listen a couple more questions for you and we'll, we'll let you go here let's Let's talk. You know, I love I love to learn more about the recruiting process as far as collegiate rugby goes. Now, you know, you're attending. You know, these com- are you attending combines? Are you scouring YouTube videos? You know, you know, is it considered insider trading if you attend like one of the U18 camps? If not, why aren't you doing that? <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, uh, NCAA coaches are allowed to coach U18 programs. You know, it's definitely just, um, (laughs) it's certainly taboo to be there and actively recruiting for your program. You know, it's not about, that's not what that's about. It's about the players who are there. Mm -hmm. So that's not something (laughs) that happens, but yeah, going around to all of, we, we scoured, we go to a lot of high school tournaments. I get to know a lot, the names of a lot of players throughout the country, um, which is pretty cool because then I, whether or not, whether they go to Dartmouth or somewhere else, you know, I'm familiar with them and I can keep following their journey and, um, their names tend to keep popping up over the years. And then we also, um, you know, we encourage all the high school players, you know, they, they're always asking like, how do I get college coaches to notice me? And it's definitely having film of yourself, you know, mm-hmm. and it, and it doesn't have to be, you know, films with the super HD camera and clipped in a fancy way, just like, you know, a parent or a friend on a sideline with a phone that can, you know, capture you playing in the match goes a long way. Um, just so that the coaches have something to, to go off when, if they haven't seen you play before. And um, yeah, no matter what you send them, coaches are pretty good at, at picking up what your point of difference might be, like what you might bring to the team on the field. And then you can speak to them about, you know, what you bring to the team off the field as well. Yeah, Katie. Yeah. I think Bill's having some issues. Oh. Yeah. I, I would say, cause I think, um, it, it seems like the women's college rugby, it's close to shedding, right, the emerging sport status. So, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, from a 30,000-foot view, what, is, what does growth look like at in women's college rugby so that more women's club programs can become D1? Yeah, the, you know, the drivers for each institution are, are so different, you know, from, you know, it might, it might be Title IX motivation to provide equal opportunity for your female athletes um it might be to have a marquee sport it might be to have a sport that attracts um a a different type of person to your school you know if you're trying to diversify your athletic department or or your school um so it's it's always different for for each institution but kind of knowing what women's rugby can bring you know like our core values of rugby bringing that to the to a american varsity sport space the the camaraderie the community um the um the leadership that rugby develops it's such a a horizontal sport you know so opposite of your footballs and stuff they're so hierarchical like um i think if you can explain the multitude of ways that that rugby can serve your institution or your department's vision um then you can you're, you're probably more likely to um inspire someone to support it you know, than just saying that, why aren't, why aren't you supporting, you know, there's a lot of sports that would like to, but you know, you have to be able to make a good case for, um, a valid case, I I believe for what women's rugby can bring to your school. And so, um, right. You know, yeah, we are constantly chasing that, that target of, of 40 programs. Um, 
where whereabouts the NCA would potentially remove that emerging sport. And then, of course, if that were to happen for us, that'd be a watershed moment for rugby in the States. You know, since when when um, when rowing became an NCAA sport, I think they won four or five Olympics on, on the trot following that because so many young athletes have their eyeballs on collegiate sports that offer um, or help support your admission or offer you scholarship opportunities or, you know, or a way to um, change your life uh, on top of being something that you really enjoy doing. So yeah, if, if rugby were a sport that all these athletes were simultaneously looking at along with your soccer and basketball and softball and things like that, then uh, just, yeah, it's wild to think how quickly that could change things for, for USA rugby. Yeah, absolutely. Kenny, we'll be, we'll be watching and cheering on and, Appreciate you staying on a couple of extra minutes to answer some of our questions and go through Bill's awkward calls. Yeah, no worries. Uh, Katie, thanks for coming on the yeah, program. Keep Appreciate talking it. to poor Richard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hi, Tess. Thanks, Katie. Hey, listener, we really appreciate you tuning in to these replays of Twitter Spaces U.S. Rugby Happy Hour Live. That was just the first half of the show. Be sure to check out the second half and previous shows here on your favorite podcast player. Also, please like, subscribe, or follow, and leave us a five-star review that helps get these shows in front of more and more listeners. Now, what are you waiting for? Go check out the other shows.